you are here on purpose with a purpose by design and not by default and it is your time right now to share your story on right now Hello and welcome back to Right Now, an author's platform. And I am Dr. Pamela Hinkle. I am so excited to be with you and continuing this incredible series of the Women of the Power Voice book anthology. Woo! And hearing their stories. And I know that that's why you're back. You're so excited to continue to hear the stories and be inspired by these women. And you know what? We have another power woman here today, author, speaker, so many different hats that this woman wears. And I am so excited to welcome Martinette to the Right Now stage. Welcome, Martinette. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Pamela. I am so grateful for this opportunity to be on this platform with you. I am honored. Thank you so much for you know sharing your platform with me. It is a honor to share it with you. Thank you for coming on. And I'm excited for everybody to get to know you a little bit better. Some of you have seen her on the Pamela show, and we're going to take a deep dive into her story. So let's start at the very beginning. Marginette, who are you? Well, thank you for asking that question. A few months ago, ago I probably would have said I'm Martinette. But now I like to say I am a spiritual being having an mm -hmm. earthly experience. And my name mm -hmm. is Martinette James. And part of who I am are the experiences that I have had in this journey that we call life. I'm a mother of four, currently in the middle of a divorce. I formerly was an early, edu child, um, early childhood educator. I'm currently working in healthcare. I am also an entrepreneur as a financial restoration credit um, agent. And I am just, you know, living experiences and enjoying every experience as to who I am. I am also a international and Amazon bestseller with the powerful woman of the Power Voice Anthology. And it really has been a pleasure and delight to share part of my story. So this is just part of who I am, you know, sharing my story and as life goes on, my story gets bigger and more impactful, and the world will get to know more of me as I get to understand me even more. You have quite a story. I mean, all these different areas that you've worked in from you know early education, um, that's huge. And um, two of our children went through the early education program due to prematurity. And so I am very familiar with that and so grateful for that program because it really helped us so much. So I can identify with you there, but also you talked about the medical uh, community, you talked about financial community, um, mom of four, and then going through obviously a life change as from a married woman to a single woman. That's a lot that you have going on. And on top of that, international bestseller, trained at the knee of Les Brown. What a story you have, and we have only heard this much of it. So let's unravel that a little bit more. Could you peel back some layers 
and give us a little bit more of your backstory. And then we'll talk about how you connected with Mr. Brown and got into the Power Voice. But I'm very intrigued by all of these different hats that you have worn. So share a little bit with us, bring us in a little closer. So a little bit of my backstory is I am originally from the Caribbean, the beautiful island St. Vincent and the Grenadines. And as a child, I have had some experiences that no child should have ever had to experience. For me, I like to say I've had one too many stem fathers. So I've had some, I know what it's like to be disappointed by someone you trust, you know, let's just put it like that. And from some of those experiences, I developed low self-esteem. I wasn't certain as to who I am, but deep down inside, I know I always wanted to help others, you know, because especially children who have been through abuse like I have been. And I always had that nurturing spirit in me to just help, but I didn't know where to start. So being in an abusive home, being raised as religious, as some people may call it, being told, um, asking for help from some of the abuse that I have experienced and being told to be quiet about it because of the taboo that was centered so much around, you know, being molested as a child and everything like that. So I learned from that to be quiet, you know, be silent, that my story doesn't matter. So that sort of paralyzed my voice for a very long time. But I, I needed the help, but I didn't know where to turn. So growing up in, the, in a Christian home, like I said, I got married very early at the age of 18. And I was expecting that to somewhat be my safe haven to get out of my home and, you know, probably get my own voice and let my voice be heard. But that in itself, I married to the wrong person, I should say. So that relationship at the age of 18, being married, I was physically abused, infidelity, and verbally abused. Um, my past was thrown at me. And I was told that I am no one. And on top of that, the psychological abuse paralyzed me even more because being told to be quiet as a child, being told in, in an early marriage that because of your background, being told that no good man will want you because now you basically spoiled, you know, you were molested and now from this marriage, I give birth to two beautiful little girls. But I felt, I felt the best word to put it, for lack of a better word, I felt like I wasn't worthy. And by the, by the time I was 24, I know I needed more. So I migrated from St. Vincent, leaving my children behind with my mom and my sisters. At that time, they were um, two years and four. So I left them there in St. Vincent and I migrated to New York. And here I am in America today. And I did everything that I think I possibly needed to do. I studied my life over. I went to college, get that degree, because for some reason, I felt like I always needed to feel like um, I am someone. So went back to college, get remarried, and then that marriage, again in itself, turned out to be abusive, uh, infidelity. And at that point, I decided I couldn't run anymore. So, and I said to myself, if I have to run, the only place I could run into is into my strength finding my voice, discovering my strength, and just doing whatever I need to do to survive. So here I am, I get connected to Les Brown one day at my job. I was strolling through social media and I saw 
the power voice came up with Les Brown, but I used to listen to Les Brown, but I never paid much attention as to who he, who he is, and, you know, what he was doing, how he was impacting life. And the curiosity within me somewhat triggered me to just log in and listen to what he's saying. And I signed up for his class, the power voice it happened to be taking place during COVID. And I'm like, well, I figure I have nothing much to do. Let me just see what's going on here. And I was very, very much impressed with the power voice community. I was impressed even more when I got the opportunity to share three minutes of my story with, with Les Brown. And for the very first time, when sharing that story, an expression on Mr. Brown's face made me feel like I was heard. When I tell my story, and he made an expression, and he, he said, mm, mm, just that, mm, really felt as if he heard me. My voice was heard for the very first time. I no longer had to remain quiet. And within that moment, he said, Martinet, you have a story. The world has been waiting for you. And that was the moment when I reconnected with my voice and I gave birth to what I know I already had within me. That is powerful. Now, I'm writing like crazy because I take notes when my co-host is speaking because I want to be able to circle back to it. So to things that you say. So you from a child felt stifled yes. and you were told in not so many words that you didn't matter. Your story didn't matter. Your voice didn't matter. Be quiet. And so you were, you used the word paralyzed. I wrote that down. I wrote it down a couple of times that even as a young child, your voice, your opinions, they were just paralyzed. You weren't allowed to have them. And that's not coming against anybody and uh, a mother or father or anybody else. It was just the way that things were. But what came down that hike to you was you weren't allowed to, to, to speak. And then you come and you start to grow up and you come into your womanhood and you're married at the age of 18 because that's what was done. Yes. That's the way that it was. Mm -hmm. And you end up marrying a man that's abusing you the same way you had been abused. Yes. And on top of that, you are being told that psychologically you're being abused and told you're tainted goods. Yes. You're no good. Nobody's ever going to want you. You're lucky you got me, baby, because nobody'd want you, right? Yes. And so you are, again, having that belief system. We talk about our thoughts becoming our belief system, creating the behaviors that creates the results in our life. That So the belief system of you're no good, you are tainted, you had it coming, you know, all of that is now reinforced as a young woman and you're told you're no good. And here you are paralyzed again, not speaking, having this paradigm just enforced. This paradigm is your behaviors, your beliefs, or your, not your behaviors, your belief system being that enforced that you have no voice. You have no voice and something happens to you. And this is where I wanted to come to first question. Something happens to you 
and you're like, have this light come on, I got to get out of here. And in fact, it moved you so impactively, you were able to say, okay, I'm going to leave my kids here for now. I got to get out of here. And we'll go there in just a minute of what happened because you had some same repetitive things that happened once you got here. But Martinette, what happened inside of you? When did the light turn on that you were like, paralyzed, suffocating where you were at and that you needed a fresh start because no matter which way we shake it out, getting out of that situation, even though there were things that re were repeating in your life that you eventually would come to terms with and figure out, I believe that breaking away from there was huge for you and a big deal because here you had been paralyzed and the paralyzed woman is making a decision to change her life. And to go to to America and go to university, to college, that's a big deal. And I'm so proud of you. So tell us, how did you come to the place where you could unfreeze enough to make a quality decision for your life? Because you did. And that's that's huge. So unpack that a little for us. Well, before leaving St. Vincent and leaving my two young babies behind, I got to a place where I always had faith in God because like I said earlier, I grew up in a Christian home. So I always had my faith to hold on to. And I remember, you know, just to go back a little bit, my when my mom and dad separated, I remember as a little girl, I always prayed and asked God, please put my mom and dad back together. Please put my mom and dad back together. And for a while I was really, really upset with God because it didn't happen. Because sure. I watched as a little girl from one stepdad to another stepdad to another stepdad. And I kept praying. I'm like, God, please put my mom and dad back together. Please put the marriages back together. And it didn't happen. And I, I was I was really angry. And I get to the point in my marriage where at that point, at the age of 18, mm -hmm. being physically abused and being told that, you know, you're no good. Being told that you damage goods. You, 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 you were molested. You have two kids. And back then, virginity was very important in the culture in which I was brought up. And it's like, no good man is ever going to want it. If any good man ever approach you, it's only because of sex, not because they are in love with you. And I remember <laughs> that day when that was told to me, I had a lot of Tylenol back home. And I looked at my three-year-old then at the time, and I felt like, this is it. I don't want to feel like this anymore. And for a moment, I contemplate killing myself. And I don't know what happened. And that was when my faith in God was really restored. Because I remember that moment, I told my three-year-old, my grandmother was not living too far from us. So I told my three-year-old, can you go, we called her mother. Could you go to mother's house and tell her to send me some salt? And for whatever reason, God used my three-year-old to turn back and come into the room. And she saw me with the bottle of Tylenol in my hand. She said, mommy, what are you doing with those medicines? I said, nothing. And she said, mommy, didn't you tell us if we take a lot of medicine, we'll die? And that's all she said. Because we used to have the medication and in order to prevent them from going to touch the medication, I will always say, don't touch this medicine, don't touch the Clorox, don't touch this, because if you do and you take it, it can kill you. And she mm -hmm. saw me with the bottle of pills in my hand and she said, mommy, didn't you say that if we take a lot of medicine, we can die? And that was it for me looking at my three-year-old at the time saying that. 
And that was when my faith was restored in God. I said, God, I need a break. I need to get out of here. I really don't know what to do, and I don't know how to do it, but I have my children. And it wasn't long after that, about a month after, my younger sister said to me, I think you need a vacation. And she said, I'm not going to tell you to leave your marriage, but I'm going to tell you that I think you need a break. Because I used to be walking around with bloodshot in my eyes, black and blue skins. I used to be afraid to go to preschool to pick my kids up. There were days when I go, I had to put like shades on because of all the different you know, bruises I had. And my sister said, you need a break. She said, I'm going to pay for the plane ticket for you. I'm not asking you to leave a marriage, but if you stay longer than, if you stay shorter than six months, you have to pay me back my money. So I said, who's gonna look after my kids? And my mm -hmm. mom said, I'll look after them for you. And even at that point, I didn't have much faith in my mom because of what I experienced, because to the back of my head, I always felt as if she didn't protect me, but it took me a while to realize that she did the best that she could. Sure. I took a chance and I said, okay, my sister says she'll help. I left my two babies behind and I migrated to, the, to New York. And that's when I really tell myself, I know there is a lot more for me. You know, my voice don't need to be, you know, stifled and feel paralyzed. And this is where I am today. But it didn't stop because in the back of my head, psychologically, I felt that it was like mental slavery in a sense. Because mm -hmm. every time a male figure approached me, I couldn't look up. You know, I, that self-esteem psychologically is like, no, they're not interested in you. They only see sex. This, that's okay. all they see. So I will not, I will never look a guy in his face. It didn't matter what someone said to me for a very long time. I will never look someone in the face, a guy especially in the face. But I realized, as Les Brown said, some of the the relationships I attracted, it was part of who I am because I was still healing. I was broken for a very long time, for years. Sure. For years. So I, I didn't know how to choose, you know, attract the right people in my life who are whole, you know, and honest. So I attracted everything that I was broken, you know, no, no, no faith, didn't believe that I'm good enough. So I attracted everything that I was then broken not good enough and i settled because it was comfortable so i ended up a second time being married for 23 years repeating the same episode but just in a different human body mm. oh my goodness you would have to wear sunglasses to cover your bruises yes yes and you were told that that was acceptable yeah. because of your past because of my past that that's all you were worth. Yes. And for a very long time, I was told the marriage is for better or worse. And if this is the worst, that's what the marriage said. So so I, I battled with religion and was right for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you, you mentioned that you were told that the only good the only thing a man could ever want from you was sex. And in fact, you said the only thing a good man. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking a good man that only wants sex. That's not a good man. <laughs> right? Exactly. But this is what was told to you, was yeah. beaten into you 
and then you left and had that paralyzing abuse, that mental slavery, you said, that caused you to not even be able to look in the eyes of people, especially men. So here you are backing up the train. You're back home, St. Vincent. Your little sister comes to you and says, basically, you need to get out of here. And she says she wants you to leave for six months. So she knows that this is not something that's going to end with you going away for the weekend, that you need to get away and that she is willing to to look after your children. Um, What a huge, amazing blessing for you. So you're able to get away from there. So now you have a fresh start and you go to college. Now you mentioned that you were born and born and born and raised, you had a Christian home. Um, You mentioned that your parents separated or divorced and that you were upset with God because you continued to ask him to bring them back together and didn't understand why that why that didn't happen. I can relate to that because my parents divorced when I was um, early teens and I would say the same thing. And that never happened either. Uh, as an adult, I understand why. But as a child, we don't understand all of that. You mentioned being mad at God. You also mentioned that you had a strong faith. Um, You've talked about like there being religion and faith, which to me are two different things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you also, you spoke a couple of times about your faith c- continuing to be a strengthen for you, even though there was a time when you were mad at God. Can you share with us a little bit about that? Like how did your faith guide you? Um At what point were you at a place of like, okay, I'm letting go of all the religious junk and I'm just really surrendering to God because um, there's, there's nothing else. And I want to also touch back to the, to the incredible story of your three-year-old being used as divine intervention to save your life. But before we go there, just share a little bit about that faith story, because that's got to be an incredible piece of you, because there's so many moving parts there, being upset with God, having religious tradition put on you, and yet you had a faith in Christ. What's that all about? Yeah, well, I always know that I had faith in God because as a little girl I used to have a lot of dreams and in these dreams I always know that God was showing me things was revealing things to me things that seem as simple as when I was in high school I will see all of my grades I will see my grades in dreams and my grandmother used to say maybe they are visions but if I was going to fail math was very challenging for me and if I was going to fail my math exam, I would see the grade that I would have even before. And when I received that report card, just as I saw every grade in my dream is exactly everything, even down to the, the, the comment that the teacher would put for my math. I will mm-hmm. see the word like moderate, needs improvement. Everything that I saw in my dreams is exactly how it used to appear in real for me. And... Not just that, knowing that all the time I would dreams and I would feel things, as much as I was abused, there was something that always comforted me. It's like I would always have these dreams and hear, like, I used to speak to my pastor about it. 
there were times I would just have these dreams and I couldn't tell whether it was like a male voice or a female voice and the voice was just so calm and it would say 23 uh, or numbers or anything like that and then other voice would say I've always had you I've always had you and I would talk to my pastor like what are these dreams and I remember one time I said to my pastor I had a dream where I was like being beaten and molested and all I heard was something very calm say 23 and my pastor said maybe you need to read Psalms 23 and I'm like so what is the six because that's always 23 and six and he said maybe the six is that you get up at 6 a.m in the morning and read Psalms 23 6 p.m read Psalms 23 so I always know that there was a faith. Something in me always told me that, you know, you just need to continue to trust. It doesn't matter what the situation looked like. Even as a, a little child, I always know that there was a connection that I had, you know, with God. And it wasn't religious. It wasn't religion. It was always something that I know. Even a few weeks ago, I was praying and I'm like, God, I want to just have this relationship that I used to have with you when you will just show in my visions or my dreams and, and tell me things and show me things. I want to feel that relationship, you know, the connection that we once had. I, I, if a week passed and I didn't hear God's voice, I was like, why am I feeling so distant from you? And it had absolutely nothing to do with religion. It was just that faith in me that knew that there is God. There is something much higher, you know, powerful than I am. And it's keeping me and has been keeping me. And I know that whatever the situation is, if I could just recall back what that voice sounds like, I know there's enough to tell me, don't give up. It doesn't matter what it is, don't give up. Mm. If you could just recall what the voice sounds like, mm. it would give you the, it would empower you to not quit. Yeah. And you said that God continued to speak to you. And I wrote this down. God continued to make himself real to you. He continued to show up in your life, speak to you, that you knew he was real. Yeah. And, and there's that scripture that talks about coming to him with the faith like a child. Mm -hmm. That even as a child, he was making himself more real to you than the situations that were around you. That even the sound of his voice mm -hmm. would bring you a calming and an empowerment mm -hmm. to the place that even as a child, you would be like, I haven't heard you speak for a while, and that you would be yearning for that. Yeah. Do you think that that, I know, I know that you had a time where you didn't want to live, and so we're, we're going to go there in a minute, but do you think that that relationship that you had with God as a child, him speaking to you, you being very comfortable with the presence of God, do you think that that helped you navigate through the awful mess that you were living in all the time absolutely absolutely all the time all the time because in every situation all i did was cry and ask god where are you you know tell me what to do show me what i need to do and i always ask give me peace and regardless of how horrible the situation was there was always a peace that fell over me in the stillness of my sleep. Very early in the morning, it doesn't matter if I went to bed crying, frustrated, feeling frustrated, didn't know what to do. I could have guaranteed by the time I closed my eyes, by four o'clock in the morning, 
two o'clock, I will hear from God. And it was always that stillness. So I I couldn't do it without my faith. I couldn't do it without my faith. When there were times I felt like I didn't want to go into church, when there were times I felt like I didn't want to hear about religion, I always had that fear of God because as a child, I experienced, and I know God is real. Yeah. So I always had that connection of faith. It doesn't didn't matter what the situation felt like or looked like at the time. I know I could have always rested and feel comforted and secure knowing that it doesn't matter what it looks like now, but I can guarantee you by the time I close my eyes, by morning, I will hear God telling me something. So that brought me a lot of peace, you know, comfort, and it made me feel safe. That was my only safe haven, knowing that God is going to show up for me. And that's the faith that I have. That is so powerful. So I'm picturing you as a, a little girl, six, seven years old, hearing the voice of God. Eight, 10 years old, hearing the voice of God. 12, 13, 14, hearing the voice of God. 15, 16, hearing the voice of God. So your whole life, you learn, you, you were comfortable in his presence. You looked for it. You yearned for it. It was that stabilizing force in your life. Oh, my gosh. That is, that's, that is so powerful and encouraging. For anybody out there that's listening, if you know of a young person that's going through something, this is how you pray for them to hear the voice of God, to be directed by God, to be protected by God, uh, to become so comfortable with God that they would recognize when they hadn't had communication with him. Yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh, Martinette, that is so powerful. Now, going back to the time when you were ready to be done, I'm having this thought that just popped up in my head that here the plan of God was to was to get you out of where you were living, but it was to get you out of St. Vincent and to get you to America. But the 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 ulterior motive was to get you out by taking you out so to stop your power voice completely to not get you to go on track with the rest of your life and to get you to bring you to where you are today and we're having this conversation so that whole idea of getting out is internalized in the chaos that you're living in that just that soup of mess mm-hmm. and you're like i'm done I'm done. I can't do it anymore. I can't live feeling tainted. I can't live with this paralyzing. I'm there's no use for me. I'm going to send my my daughter away and I'm going to do what needs to be done. And again the faith of a child. So really as a child you're being spoke to and now as a child, your child is being spoke to and speaking the words of God right to you. And your life is is spared because you were supposed to get out, not be taken out. You were supposed to go onward and get to America and then come to where you are today. What was that like in that moment? 
to have your daughter three years old, like my granddaughter is three years old, right? And she's a great communicator, but come on, three years old. Hey, mom, can't, what are you going to do with those pills? Doesn't, didn't you say too much of those would kill you? Like what intuition of that little child? What was that like for you? Was that like a surreal moment to time stop for you? That must have been, yeah. Tell us what that was like. Oh my gosh. It was a surreal moment at the within the moment, but I wasn't too shocked by it because like I said, because of my experiences very early from the time my girls were able to talk, I was so afraid and probably overly protective, protective of them that mm -hmm. from the time they were able to talk, even if they go to the pediatrician, very early, I would say to them, any parts of your body that your clothes covered, no one's supposed to touch. Because I was so, uh, there were times I would ask God, why, why did you give me daughters? And you know what I went through. So I was really, really overly protective. So I gave them a lot. Some people might say it was too much at the time, but I did it from fear and protection. I'm like, any sure. part of your body that your clothes is covered, no one's supposed to touch you. Anytime they touch you with your clothes is covered, that is an uncomfortable touch. So I put a lot of stuff on them, I, I should say. So they were very vocal. They could have watched someone, and if someone want to shake their hand, they will make eye contact with me. I'll be communicated by, by our eyes. My three-year-old then could have looked at my, my facial expression in my eyes, mm -hmm. and she would know immediately, don't do that, or that's mm -hmm. not okay, and so forth. So it wasn't surprising when she said, mommy, didn't you see if you take a lot of medication, you know, you could die? That didn't surprise me. What surprised me is the fact that she turned back. I didn't understand why did you turn back? I sent you to my your grandmother's house sure. to get something. What make you turn back? That's what surprised me. That was a surreal moment for me at the time. So I know mm -hmm. it had to be in God because she had no reason to come back. I, I sent her to my grandmother to ask for something. You know, why you came back? And she never mentioned to say, I, I'm, I'm back because, you know, she just came back and walked in the room and saw the pills. And mommy, didn't you see a lot of medication is going to make, you know, could kill you? So mm -hmm. that was the part that surreal for me when she turned back. That was a divine intervention. And that was a change. Things changed and shifted in you, right? Yeah. At that moment. At that moment. At that moment. Everything changed. Yeah. And you knew your life needed to change. Yes. And so even though it wasn't like the next day that you were on a plane, you were on a different plane from that moment on. Everything needed to change and everything did change. And you were in a different state mm -hmm. uh, mentally emotionally and ready to receive these words from your sister get out of here <laughs> yep yep wow that's what it so was. you come to america by yourself and how old were you you said 24 i i celebrated my 24th birthday in america so I did was you about have any family here martinette did you have I, any family that you stayed with i had my estranged dad you know, because him and my mom separated, but I couldn't go with him because his wife didn't want his children mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. So 
what he did was pick me up from the airport and he dropped me off to an aunt of mine who was here. And that, that, that was it for me. And I, I must say that my first three weeks sleeping in, in America on a strange bed, after the third week, I remember wake up, I woke up and I started crying to my aunt because I began to feel my skin. Because when I came here, I came with bloodshot eyes, a damaged tongue, bruises over my body. Oh my gosh. And I was 95 pounds. Oh. 23 years and 95 pounds. Oh. My dad said, oh my God, you really needed a break. And after about three weeks sleeping in the bed in New York, I didn't know how to stretch my legs out because I always like this, you know, figuring out that maybe I'm going to be awoke by some form of physical abuse. Sure. I remember after the third week, I cried to my aunt and I said, oh my God. And I started touching myself. I said, oh my God, I can't believe it's three weeks and no one beat me. And she said, what? I'm like, yeah, it's been three weeks and I wasn't beaten. And I started feeling my body and I'm like, wow, absolutely no fresh bruises, nothing. For a long time, for years, I didn't know what it felt like to go through a week without being you know, physically abused or something. So those first three weeks really impacted my life, you know, knowing that, wow, it's three weeks and I wasn't hit. You were feeling your skin without a bruise. Without a bruise, yeah. And without touching it and having it hurt. Yep, yep. Yeah. And, and that was a new feeling. It was a new okay. feeling, something I haven't experienced in a long time. Mm. My gosh. And so you go to school, and what did you go to school for? I wanted to become, believe it or not, a psychologist, because I always felt like I want to be able to help other children who've been through what I've been through. Yeah. But for some reason, after a while, I felt like if I was somewhat like self-diagnosing myself, yeah. and then I changed from that, and I you know, major in English literature. But prior to that, I went to school as well for early childhood education because I always felt like if I had this nurturing part of me that wanted to help children. Mm -hmm. So for 13 years, I worked as an early childhood educator. And then after that, I just decided to branch off from education into the literary world. And I almost sabotaged myself. And why I'm saying that is because I was still afraid to ask for help. I didn't right. know how to ask for help. And God bless, you know, when I meditate, sometimes I, I meditate and I send thanks to this particular professor. You know, she reached out to me and she's like, what's going on? And I remember walking into her office and I said to her, I cannot stay in here with the door closed because small rooms doesn't make me feel safe because being abused, I was locked into a, a room, you know, with someone right. who abused me. And she said, you have so much potential in you. Why don't you ask for help? And I broke down. I said, because I don't know how. She said, what do you mean you don't know how? I said, because no one has ever helped me before without abusing me. You know? mm -hmm. And one of the things, I, as I mentioned earlier, you know, math, you know, doing math has been very challenging for me because that was the subject that most troubled me at the age of nine when my you know stepfather then would have abused me when i think he he, he would put me in a room and go through certain math problem with me my multiplication tables and during that process i was being abused so i said i don't know how to ask for help 
because every time I reach out for help, this is what happens. So right. It's like, no. And then she introduced me to counseling and she said, listen, I'm here. I'm going to help you with no exchange. And I didn't believe her. I didn't. Right. I almost jeopardized my whole college, you know, process. I didn't, I just didn't believe her because I didn't know how to accept help. And even as an adult, I, I struggled with it. Even now, if someone offer me a compliment, I still struggle with it sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's not easy. Sometimes I feel like not to minimize what an alcoholic goes through, but sometimes I feel like I am still a recovering, you know, wife or a woman, you know, who was abused because sometimes it still gets to me at times mm -hmm. just to get like a genuine compliment. Sometimes right. I feel myself, you know, consciously like will have my head down and don't know how to respond. So I have to like keep checking myself all the time, you know, telling me with myself, Martin, I know you're worthy, you're deserving, you know, you mm -hmm. are enough, you know, just yes. give it as a compliment, say thank you, and then give a compliment back. So it, it has been, you know, a struggle, but I'm here, you know. I'm but here. you are here. And I liked what you said that you would have to give yourself that self-talk and say, no, I am worthy. No, Martinette, you are worthy of this. You, you, you know, you are enough and you are, you absolutely are. And, and it's amazing how you have come through and what you're doing today. I mean, nothing short of miraculous, Martinette. So I'm thinking every time you asked for help, help came with with apron strings you know what i mean like yes. there was always something tied to it and it wasn't help help meant hurt yeah. help meant hurt it, it meant it meant fear it meant shutting down it meant nothing good and so as a young woman growing up and then coming into adulthood how could you um have a mindset of being an overcomer of of being that overcomer of being that woman of victory, uh, being that person uh, that could really um, dive into the next level that God would have for you when all your life help meant hurt. That was the mindset that you were in. And that's the script that was playing over and over and over again in your head. No matter how real God was to you and he was keeping you going, that paradigm was there. Mm -hmm. repeating itself repeating itself repeating itself and so you get into another marriage with some similar uh things that are going on there at what point does do things change where all of a sudden you're faced with am i going to live this way or am i going to make a change and how did that happen because obviously you made a change because you're connected to Les Brown, the power voice, you're in the book of the women of the power voice, all the things that you're doing now. Where did you face that fear? How did you face that and say, I'm gonna press through this and get help? What happened? So there is a bit of it, it's so much. Okay, so after a year, I married to someone in the church, but in the church then, prevent infidelity in the church didn't prevent physical and verbal abuse in the mm -hmm. church did not prevent a lot of things right so it was just that nice title 
And <laughs> for years, uh, within that second marriage, I gave birth to two additional um, babies, a boy and a girl. So now I have three girls and a boy. And it wasn't until I witnessed my son at that time, I think he was eight. That, that was my first sign. At that time, my son was eight and I was crying. And he witnessed a lot of the physical abuse and the different stuff like that. And the first time the divorce word came up, I decided to have a talk with the kids. And my eight-year-old son came to me and he said, Mommy, you and Daddy are getting a divorce? And I said, yeah. So he said, so why didn't you tell me all the time? You think I would have cried? What? This is my only son. And he was eight years at the time. And in my head, all I'm hearing him saying, so why didn't you tell me all the time? You think I would have cried? And knowing that I stayed all those years thinking that I'm helping, you know, I'm, I'm giving right. the children stability and this is what they need. And again, it's the church. And then being in a family that is religious, listening to my mom say, oh my God, this is his second marriage. What, what's wrong with you? No one in our family has ever divorced. And this is a second marriage. It, it doesn't look good. You know, you can't do this. You know, finally to work it out. And as a little girl, to this day, I, I have an aunt who went through marital abuse. And she's still with her husband. And I always picture myself and say to myself, I can't. I, I can't do this. I can't. That's not how I see marriage. But I still couldn't leave because all I'm hearing is that no one in our family has ever been divorced. And this is your second marriage. At that point, I felt like, Martinette, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with you? A second marriage? No. It's like you embarrassing the family. You know, just close them out, deal with it, and that's that. So I stayed again for a couple more years, but it wasn't until 2017 when part of that infidelity took place in our home. I, I, I witnessed on camera, you know, we have security cameras and kept getting a few alerts about the camera systems shutting off and I pull it up on the phone. I was in school at the time and I witnessed the affair, you know, with my then ex and the young lady in our home. And I was in my class, in my French class. And at that moment, what my body went through, I don't even know, I, I began to like sweat profusely. It's like beads of perspiration running down me and my professor's like, Martin, what's going on? And I'm just there with like on the phone, watching everything that's taking place in my home. And I was numb. And again, I told my professor, I don't know if I can continue this class because of, you know, what's going on. So that is what draws the string for me. I said, you know, this, this is enough. Um, yeah. Definitely my home, everything. I was like, that's enough. And that's when I told myself, I have to do what I have to do. And I decided to become a single parent of four, take care of the bills and just decided to leave the marriage. And this time I told myself, you know, any running I'm running, I'm running to my strength. And that's around the time from 2017, I still struggle with the divorce because of religion, you know, religious belief. I started the divorce proceeding and listening to religious people saying, this is not what God wants. You need to stop it. And I stopped it. 
I stopped it, but it didn't get any better. Until right. 2020, it, it get worse and get worse. But 2020 is when I decided, no, this this isn't this is enough. So during the pandemic, when I stumbled onto Les Brown and the Power of Voice, I realized that I needed that. Through the pandemic is when I did most of my healing. Through the pandemic mm -hmm. is when I did most of my healing. So while the world, you know, is going through everything and people are dying and leaving, you know, losing loved ones and losing the financials. Um, stability and security during all of that i'm the only one who was working but i was going through my healing process at the same time and wow. for me the pandemic not in a selfish way but give birth to something that i have i, mm -hmm. I always had it inside of me so the pandemic for me gave birth to my strength so that, that, this is just how I look at it. So in a way, I'm like, I am grateful for the pandemic because had it yeah. not been for that, I would not have been take the initiative to look into myself and pull on my strength, you know, to become who I am becoming today. Oh my gosh. So you were such a broken woman. Very broken. And even saying that's it. And, and I, I don't deserve this. I can't live this way anymore. I mean, to see that, you pick up your kids, you leave, you're pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, so to say, and I'm pressing through. But inside, how broken, how hurt, all those years of not good enough, not good enough, uh, help isn't safe. And here you are trying to hold it all together. And then while the whole world is broken, God's healing you. Yes. Well, the whole world is falling together. He's putting the pieces yes. of your heart back together. Oh, my gosh. I feel so emotional right now. Well, everything else is just a mess. You connect with Les Brown. Yes. Who you said, I wrote this down, for the first time, you felt heard. You felt that your story mattered. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amazing. Absolutely. And all it took was for him to give an expression where he was like, mm. called my name. He said, Martinette. Mm. Mm. Those two mm. connected with me. And for the first time, I felt like, yes, someone took the time hear me i am actually being heard for the first time after all these years silent screams finally i heard silence screams. Yeah. powerful so mm -hmm. powerful and now what are you doing today with your power voice mm -hmm. with my power voice my goal is to impact lives with my story just impact lives and i know that there are so many stories that are to be told so many stories that are similar to mine but i don't want to inspire people because sometimes you're inspired and then with after the adrenaline build up it's like you just go back down because i've been there so my goal what i'm doing today is to impact impact lives when I share my story or share part of my story, I want young boys, young girls, women in abusive marriage, men in abusive marriage. I want everyone to know that, listen, 
if I could have hold on to faith and in spite of everything I am here today, in spite of being told to close him out, in spite of being told your story is not important, in spite of being told you're not good enough, I want part of my story to let the whole world know that no longer sit in fear, no longer sit there and feel paralyzed, no longer sit there and have all these silent screams. You're feeling it here, but then the song is not coming up. I want to impact lives to let them know when you open your mouth and you speak with your power voice, you speak with your story because your story matters, that it's going to be so loud that it's going to resound and bounce back and touch this soul and touch that soul and touch this country and that country and every village. I want to impact life to the point where people know that, listen, it doesn't matter if your story is this much or this much, it matters. Speak. Speak because that's what your story is. No longer question God like I did to say, God, why me? Connect with your story and know that the why is your story is not for you. Your story is to save millions of lives. Some of whom will hear your story and never get the opportunity to say thank you. But know that when they meditate, when they think about hearing your story, they can just send a word, energy of thanks to the universe and say, God, thank you, Martinez. Thank you, Pamela. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you, Yeshika. Thank you, everyone who was able to use their story and just impact lives in that way. That's what I am doing today. Oh my gosh, I just want to stand up and applaud you. <laughs> oh my gosh. And God says in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, I have come to give them a good life. So how sad it is that people get under religious bondage that thinks that the bad life is the right life when god said i've come to give them the good life and life abundantly i'm so grateful to god that you stayed close to him and that you stepped out of that bad life that was suffocating and paralyzing you and into the good life where now your power voice is resonating across the earth in written form and spoken form and you are changing lives oh my goodness martinette Thank you so much for coming on right now. Could you tell our viewers and listeners, how do they follow up with you and get connected to you? So for those of you who are interested in following up with me, you can connect with me on Facebook at Martinette James or on Instagram at tinet.m. That's T-I-N-E-T-T-E dot M. Or Facebook, Martinette James. And I'll be very much happy to hear from you and hear your story beautiful wow thank you so much for being an overcomer thank you for not quitting thank you for listening to that still small voice thank you for saying yes to you and thank you for teaching others that they are enough thank you for coming on the show today martinette you're amazing it's my pleasure Pamela. thank you so much i appreciate it you are amazing <laughs> Everybody, thank you for tuning in today. And I think you can just say, wow, with me, right? Wow. Like, have you been touched and changed by this story? Do Martinette a favor. Do Les Brown a favor. Do me a favor. Do yourself a favor. Press the like button. Les Brown says, like it and share it. 
let's take this story of Martinette's all around the world. And she said with her own words, changing lives globally. So let's empower her to do that right now. Click and share, click and share, send it in an email, send it on social media and help us take this message around the globe. And of course, follow up with Martinette and, and get the book, The Women of the Power Voice. Get it from her reader story and the stories of so many others. Thank you for showing up for the show today. I know that you were changed. I know you were challenged. So remember, you are here on purpose with a purpose by design, just like Martinette, not by default. She stepped out of default and you can do that today. Go on out there and be the salt and the light everywhere you go. We'll see you next time on right now. Thanks for showing up today. Bye. Ascend Above the Crowd is the newest course by Pamela Hinkle. Ascend is a self-paced email course that will come directly to your inbox and will change your mindset and your life. Each week, you will receive lessons, resources, challenges, and journal writings that will help you discover your purpose by design. It's your time to ascend above the crowd. To learn more about Ascend, go to www.purposewithpamela.com forward slash ascend. Pamela Hinkle is the founder of The Purpose Center. Pamela is a mindset mentor, author, speaker, minister, and transformation coach. Her weekly podcast, international radio show, and television show are a lifeline that changes lives and inspires people to discover their individual potential through realizing their purpose by design. Pamela is a natural motivator and has shown many how to find their niche and transform their lives. Although success is an uphill battle, Pamela gives the necessary strategies to flourish, cheering you on every step of the way. Pamela shares from her personal experiences, education, and life as a woman in leadership, utilizing decades of knowledge, taking the approach of, let's have coffee and chat. She will awaken your dreams and purpose by design. Are you ready for Pamela to help guide you? Email us at purposewpamela.office at gmail.com or go to her website at purposewithpamela.com.